Hey everybody, Dr. Bo with the Dr. Bo Knows Nothing show. Uh, just got done recording with Dr. Jordan Bonham. Holy cow, if you've been wondering anything about nutrition or gut health, um, especially about things like gluten and autoimmune responses to foods and um, sensitivities and how we can actually assess those things and treat them and um, actually fix causes, not just max, mask excuse me, symptoms, uh, it's super informative. This guy is a self-proclaimed nerd. He knows numbers and stats and facts. And there's information in here like about what we did with fuel from like the tanks in World War II and how we turned it into fertilizer and we poisoned the water table. Uh, I know that sounds ominous, but um, we're okay for now. Anyway, um, just a really eye-opening, super multi-layered conversation with a ton of cool stuff I think you can take and use. Um, anyway, I hope you tune in. I hope you listen to the whole thing because there's some great stuff on here and we'll see you for the next one. Have a great day. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Jordan Bonham. Happy to have you here, buddy. It's, yeah, happy uh, to be here. It's, it's cool. I'm excited for people to hear what you have to say, but I think like we just said, it's been way too long since we've spent time together. So this will be a pseudo hangout to, to spark the interest a little bit more. That's right. A virtual hangout. Yeah, man. There we go. Um, so to start off, we're going to dive into a lot of nutrition and gut health and really looking at um, inside out kind of approach to healing and how chiropractors can maybe provide more of that than A, a lot of chiropractors think, and B, definitely more than what a lot of patients think they're going to get when they come into an office. And that's why I'm so excited about what you do and how you're always not just doing more, but like knowing why you're doing more and being able to teach that to people is really cool. So why don't you just start and give us like a, a view of kind of who you are, how'd you end up in chiropractic, and then we'll kind of jump into what you're doing in your office now. Yeah, sweet. Um, a little footnote I just want to put for the chiropractors that listen to this and are already like, I don't want to do more. Sometimes <laughs> what I've found is it's sometimes it's helpful just to know where to send somebody. So even if you learn more and you're like, I don't want anything to do with that inside the walls of my clinic because we're smooth, we're operational, I'm busy, at least being able to say, this is the next person that you need to answer this health mystery or to get your health where you want it. That's also extremely valuable. hundred um, percent. I think as chiropractors, we get to do that more than other healthcare providers based on frequency 100%. of interaction. hundred percent. Um, right. And when you're inside the medical roulette wheel, that's where you stay. So if somebody else can get you out of that roulette wheel, it, it can be helpful. Cool. But uh, I'm Dr. Jordan Bonham. I practice just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. I've been in practice uh, going on my seventh year now. I, as Dr. Bo mentioned, I specialize in chiropractic and I also have a sub interest subspecialty in gut health. Um, and all that really means is I've studied the gut for the past seven years. Um, <laughs> and I understand a lot of what it does, the implications that it has on your global health and um, resources and avenues that people can leverage to get where they want to be in their health. And a lot of it actually has very little to do with gut symptoms and more mm -hmm. with whole body health. 100%. So before we even jump into like how you communicate this in your office, what made you like, okay, we go to chiropractic school. And I know your background of um, artistically diligently training your adjusting skills, right? Like, um, what shifted? Where did you have a moment? Was it a personal thing? Was it something with a friend or family? What made you want to dive more into the gut health and and things like that with people more than just the adjusting that you were working really hard on. 
Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think one, I'm a nerd by nature. So I love, <laughs> I love the, the science articles and the nitty gritty and the obscure. Yeah. Um, but so my sister, whenever she was, so the more I learned, the more I could see it earlier in her life. Um, from the time that she was a toddler having trouble, like screaming, crying, pain, going to the bathroom. Um, all the way up to adulthood where now she's struggling with some thyroid, like Hashimoto's thyroiditis um, that can show up as mental health issues and stuff like that. And then I also had um, an episode that was brought on purely by stress in chiropractic school where I would have bouts of um, for two, three weeks, I would get hives on my body. So it's, Mm. it's called dermatographism. You could literally take a fingernail and write your name in cursive on my arm and it would show up as a welt perfectly. It was insane never seen anything like it very weird um and then it would go away but then my anytime i ate anything if it was a bland piece of boiled chicken or a piece of broccoli it didn't matter what it was i would get excruciating gut pain so i think the combination of seeing the effects that it had on my sister and then dealing with some of it myself um i started to look into it and as i was looking into it i was like this is really fascinating and interesting and in my like I said, that nerd by nature kind of took over and I just, I, I've really enjoyed it. And the more I learned, the more I saw the global, uh, global speaking, the whole body, the global implications of um, gut health. Right. The, uh, the, the fastest way to hell is a, a gradual one, right? And maybe not hell in this state, but like bad health, right? You like one little thing at a time. And pretty soon you normalize these things that maybe you never would have done. And because one thing goes now, what else is going and can we shift that to this way? Right. Yeah. And I mean, um, I like, and I imagine you can align with this. I think if I really had a, a 30,000 foot view of my life, I would rather die instantly in a fiery wreck than die day after day in, in a chronic disease state because it's miserable. I mean, these patients that we see are, are suffering every single day. Mm-hmm. And that's not the life that I want to live. So when well, life is too short, even a hundred year stretch on this planet is a very, very, uh, it's a blink in the time frame of the world. Right. And so let's get the most out of, I mean, how many times do we plan a vacation? Let's get the most out of these five days. Well, what if you could get the most out of your hundred years or your 80 years right. or whatever you're blessed with on this earth? Right. And so, um, I think that's a huge point into a lot of people don't know right? Like, no. like you mentioned, it's not a symptom all the time. It's, it's maybe something that doesn't make a lot of sense. And I love when people come in and they're like, man, I've been here, I've been here, I've been here, I've been here, and nobody can give me the answer. So I figured I'd try this. Now, mm-hmm. I would much rather them start with us because it's, well, laundry list of reasons, but the, the times when people come in and they haven't actually corrected anything, right? And, right. and simply what a good adjustment can do to connect and align and, and increase communication in t- inside your body. Imagine what, like the fuel you put in your truck, you put the wrong one in, it's not gonna work, right? So uh, I think it's just a really cool blend that maybe seems far out to a chiropractic office, but really is in complete alignment with what we're trying to do. Yeah, and, and one of the ways that I connect with very vitalistic chiropractors, again, if you don't wanna do this in your office, at least know the next space for it, but right. the nervous system, when interfered with does not do well. But we also know that there is somatovisceral, viscerosomatic, somatosomatic, viscerovisceral nerve. So visceral meaning guts and organs, somatic meaning body. These reflexes in our nervous system, you can be subluxated in your body and you, you could have body symptomatology because of a visceral event. 
And if somebody's stuck in this pattern because of something they're shoving down their throat three to five times a day, it, it's going to be really hard to break them out of that pattern without switching that. And I love that you use the analogy of the truck because I use vehicles a lot. They yeah. have an electrical system. They have an exhaust system. They have wheels and motors. They have parts that all need to work together to get that thing from point A to point B. So yeah. does our body. We've got digestion. We've got lymphatic. We've got blood flow. We've got oxygen and CO2. We've got the nervous system. And I would challenge any chiropractor in the world to adjust like somebody, if somebody's not getting oxygen, you're not going to adjust them enough to save their life. <laughs> right. If somebody's, if somebody is chronically inflamed because their, their digestive system is not working properly, it's going to chronically irritate their nervous system. And while the adjustment can help the body better navigate that, it's never going to be able to override an entire system of your body being dysfunctional. Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't push the brake harder to make something else work in my car, right? Right. Right. So with that, what do people, what do you see either in your office or like this or just outside anywhere where your nerd knowledge kicks in and starts going, where are those misconceptions? Where do you see maybe like, here's something I hear a lot, whether it's people think this is causing it or they're just simply accepting of what is as normal when it doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put a, a little footnote here that I, I'm probably going to need help getting back to. But when, when, when people show up in our offices, oftentimes, like you said, this, the problem has not been corrected. The symptoms have been covered with pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I want to come back to is the pharmaceutical approach, how it actually creates more burden and toxicity in the body. And there's a reason for that. Um, what I, so just in the past week or so, a couple of things. So hyperactivity in a child. So a child that's going into okay. school that is misbehaving and they're not a bad kid. Mm-hmm. There's just hyperactivity happening. That's one thing. Um, some of my older patients that I'm starting to notice that they're, they're losing words or they, you know, they're trying to talk and they can't really draw the words through as efficiently. Um, somebody came in today. I just found out I need to have my gallbladder removed. Pause. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, all sorts of things, and, and this will become a lot more clear when we get into it, but I call the gut Grand Central, Grand Central Station. It is the starting point of the interconnectedness of the rest of your body. 100%. So, and we just got out of, um, you know, the COVID pandemic crazy thing. And what was the, what was the focus there? The immune system, mm-hmm. right? Guess what is involved in every single thing that you put down your throat, your immune system. That's why a lot of people get stuffy when they're eating, because everything that you go from outside in, the immune system looks at and says, is this clean? And if your immune system is chronically activated because your gut is inflamed, it's your body's not able to heal. It is stuck in sympathetic gas all the way down, redlining. It, it can't function. Well, it just here's threat, threat, threat all the time, right? I mean, it's, it's never given peace inside. Right. And there's, yeah. there's, um, we, we might get into this. There's something called molecular mimicry that happens where the, the chemicals, the proteins that break down in food. So we chew something up, we start to break it down. Our, our um, stomach breaks it down even further. And it's ultimately trying to pull out the chemicals, the small proteins and vitamins and minerals and all the stuff. Some of those can actually look like our own tissue, which is how we get into autoimmunity. So mm-hmm. one of the most, one of the most common ones you hear all about is gluten. And there's a lot of problems in the whole gluten conversation because it's, it's more than just one thing, but gluten at a, at a molecular level looks a lot like three tissues in your body. One of them is your cerebellum. 
So a part of your brain that controls a ton of stuff, one of yeah. which being coordination. So there's something called gluten-mediated cerebellar ataxia where somebody actually looks drunk after they eat gluten um, mm-hmm. because of the way that their immune system starts to attack their cerebellum. Um, it can also affect your thyroid, which is why we see such a sharp uptick in thyroid-related autoimmunity. And it can also affect your pancreas, which is where adults get adult onset type one, which is, it's technically type one and a half diabetes. Right. So their, their immune system is effectively attacking their pancreas because of the gluten that looks like pancreas and they get diabetes. So let's, let's dive into that a little more, because here's something that I think is a huge misconception that you just described three situations that are not good. Like I don't want to eat a loaf of bread and fall over while, or not be able to drive when I'm driving my family. Right. But what if it isn't that bad? Right. What if, what if it's just, you feel off, there's just something not right. My energy's low. This, I think so many people miss what is this starting point of a bad fire that is not on fire yet. Right. And that's, I think what's so cool about what we can do in teaching people. This is that you don't have to be that ataxic person that can't walk to be suffering from this all the time, right? And, totally. I, and I think that's where being aware of, okay, what are some of these things that are the major players in this field of, of life, right? What am I eating? What am I breathing and drinking that could be bad? And how do I identify it? And I think taking that, and again, this whole show is supposed to empower people to take that back in, in your hands, right? Your health, spiritually, mentally, physically, So with a lot of those things, how do you then take someone who isn't super obviously suffering from this and what, what's an approach? How do you in your office take people who are kind of in a a firestorm of not knowing what to eat and simplify it for them? So they're successful. Yeah. So, or, or not food, just anything in general, I guess. Yeah. The first thing we do is educate because education equals empowerment. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the, the more, you know, the more you're able to make uh, smart choices for yourself and take control of your health rather than relying on somebody else to tell you what to do. Um, so we start with education. I give them a, a breakdown of what I think is going on with them. And it can, like you said, it doesn't have to be the full blown disease because before disease there's disease, which is a lack of ease. Right. Um, we educate them and then I, I give them, so I think something that people could do in their offices is just create a little like PDF or a handout that says, here's the most common sources of toxins in our life and say, here's household toxins from the chemicals that we use to the candles that we burn and all the other bullshit that we have in our homes. Right. Um, And then I recommend a paleo diet to start. And the reason being not that paleo is the end all be all, but it does remove a lot of the common irritants to the body. Right. When we give somebody 90 days on pretty strict paleo, we're able to detoxify their system enough that we can actually start to add things back in and see what it's reacting to. Because when your body's reacting to everything, it, you don't know what's going on. hundred percent. So, right. I mean, a, a lot of people can probably relate to this personally or know somebody that did some sort of diet, cleanse, detox, whatever. And then they ate something that they've been eating forever and it made them sick. Um, it made them stomach ache, diarrhea, whatever it is. Or how many times do you hear, man, I used to be able to eat this. And now that I'm 40, I can't do it anymore. Right. 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 So, and that, that is a lack of adaptation over time. Your body just can't adapt to that stress or that toxin anymore. And this is, you know, you're starting to feel it. So we give them kind of a breakdown of here's your common toxin loads and make as many modifications as you can. I do tell people the paleo diet is going to help us a lot. 
because oftentimes people have so much shit going on that if we were to run labs like they do in the traditional medical model or whatever, we're going to, we're going to get a ton. How many times have people had an allergy test and I'm allergic to tomatoes and eggs and oranges and this and that. And it's like, yeah, well, what you, am you I probably eat? eat a lot of that. Right. 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 Yeah. And they're, and they're not, they're probably not allergic, like anaphylaxis, but they are sensitive to it. Right. And that, that, that's the molecular mimicry piece that I was telling you about. So mm-hmm. inherently none of us should be sensitive to natural things. There might be a thing here or there that like, doesn't really work for you, but you shouldn't mm-hmm. have 25 things that you can't eat that are part of your normal diet. Right. And that's, that tells me that your gut lining is broken down, which I imagine we're going to get into. Cause that's, that's the, the meat and potatoes of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes, like you said, somebody's coming in and they're just not feeling well. And it's usually not the person that sits on their couch all day, smokes a pack of cigarettes and eats a McDonald's that says, I don't feel well. And I don't know why, like people inherently know that's not a, a <laughs> right. ticket to health. Yeah. It's the people that are like, you know, I'm really trying here. I'm, I'm trying to eat healthy and I'm exercising and I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just don't feel good. And it's like, all right, well, let's see what's going on. And because the gut is so tied into so many things, it could be anxiety and depression, serotonin and dopamine, mostly produced in the gut. If your gut mm-hmm. is busy putting out fires because it's inflamed all the time, guess what you're not getting? Neurotransmitters. Um, Dude, it's, it's, I, Jamie said this the other day. It's like people eat crazy and, and nasty, but they don't always realize how bad it is. And it's like if you were to have a, a big party at your home, and live in it all week and never pick anything up and then just have everyone over with clutter and dishes and this, you would feel so like, I, I can't, be, I have to leave or I have to clean this up. I'm embarrassed. I don't know. That's how your body feels inside when it's not organized, right? Like it is going haywire and you make poor decisions or your body responds poorly when it could have maybe done better because the environment was terrible, right? 100%. Yeah, another analogy, again, just like you gotta be able to feel what is actually going on when you can't see inside of here to know the damages, right? And so I think, again, your piece of educating is just the, the first step, obviously, because if they don't get it, they're not going to do it. And then going into that, how do you see people do like, okay, I come in and I'm eating kind of whatever, I'm trying to be healthy, but it's just not working. And you put me on paleo and I'm getting adjusted, getting right sleep and water. I'm doing, I'm doing active things besides the adjustment. How do you see people respond? Because I would imagine there is a massive learning curve slash um, almost like hangover of losing these things that they don't have anymore. Is there kind of like a timeline where you start to see people shift into, okay, I don't feel like crap from switching this anymore. I am feeling this change now and I'm sticking with this. 100%. Um, Yeah. I mean, it usually takes a few weeks and they know when they're not eating well, when they are. And the first thing that actually starts to happen is they cheat because food, food is food. And it, you right. know, it does have a emotional hook in our, in our brains, but they cheat and they're like, I felt terrible. And that's the first like, aha, because they didn't feel that bad before when they'd eat those things. Right. So now they're actually having a, a physiologic, they can feel the connection between when I eat this thing or this type of food, I don't feel well, which means it's not good for me. Right. So that's usually the first like aha moment. And then after that, yes, they start to feel better in their body. They start to get better rest. They start mm-hmm. to notice that their adjustments are holding longer. Um, all sorts of things that, that they originally thought were related to whatever, um, they start to see go away. And I think it's, a, it's more of a realization that they can live a different life. 
Like you yeah. had mentioned, like I'm 40 now. A lot of people just want to write off, oh, I'm another year older. So of course I feel like shit. Right. Um, it's not how we're meant to live. And so they start to get a glimpse into what their life could look like. And then after that, it's a decision. And that's what I tell them. I said, you're never going to, because everybody wants to know like what supplement they can take. And I say, you're never <laughs> going to supplement your way out of a bad diet. You're just right. not going to do it. Um, I, I would argue you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet fully. You can't, you can't anything your way out of a bad diet. Right. You just, you're not, you can't sleep it off. You can't exercise it off. You can't supplement it off. It is a pivotal part of the way that your body operates. And a lot of people want to take that shortcut for two reasons. One, we've made it incredibly easy to get bad food. And I yeah. mean, just in my, in my town, which is rapidly developing, the, they just opened two new Taco Bells because we needed this. Mm -hmm. Um, they opened another McDonald's. Like it's so easy to get convenience food and it's so hard to get good quality food that, yeah. that we've curated that as a lifestyle. Um, and then the other thing is people just don't know. They don't understand that when you consume something, the feeling of being full is not the prerequisite to this is good for me. It's, yeah. they don't, they don't. And I, my wife and I talk about this all the time because she's not a chiropractor. Um, she doesn't understand what happens molecularly inside the body i do so mm -hmm. whenever i eat something if i like i was home my my thing is like between thanksgiving and christmas i just kind of like eat whatever i want because it's the holidays and i'm just right. that's when i enjoy whatever but i also know going into that i'm not going to feel good most days i'm going <laughs> to have some indigestion i'm going to have some stomach stuff I'm, you know my energy is going to be a little bit low mm -hmm. and it's a choice and i can always choose to say you know what i'm not going to do this anymore because it's not serving me yeah. So when people are educated and empowered and they can make choices and they can have even just the beginning stages of understanding, they can start to realize, oh, I'm actually in control of this. And I think that's one of the biggest things they, they notice. I can actually control how I feel. Right. So with that, the lack of knowledge, you kind of mentioned it, the pharmaceutical loop that people get stuck in. Right. I think this is so common for a lot of people to be hearing this right now. And again, OK. Well, that was me, but you know, my, my gastroenterologist has me on this or my, my medical doctor put me on this and I haven't had heartburn or indigestion or IBS or this, and it's been amazing, right? On the surface, that's a great thing. Like, let's look at you enjoying your life more psychologically. You feel better. That's a great start, right? I'm not going to downplay really medicine in general, because there's a lot of need for it in a lot of different situations, right? But in this situation, how do we take someone who feels managed on a statin, on a blood pressure medication, on a Prilosec, on anything kind of in this gut related world is ultimately like the way I feel myself has resulted in diabetes or hypertension or whatever. The people who genuinely think I'm taking this med so it's managed and I can now move on and live my life. There's a lot of avenues, but where are some of the common, like, like for me, statins just ping my brain and I have to talk to people about what they're doing ultimately to their ability to exercise, which is what their doctor told them when they can't build any new tissue because they blocked their cholesterol level. Right. So we, we dive into that. Where do you see some of these main things? Like how could you open somebody's eyes to maybe that's not actually managed? Yeah. One of the first things that I tell people is uh, pharmaceuticals never meant to be a lifestyle strategy. They weren't. So I, I also am not going to downplay pharmaceuticals because there's like, I always joke with people, if I get a gunshot wound, don't take me to the chiropractor. <laughs> right. I mean, like there, yeah. I, I know, I know where I'm needed and where medicine is needed. Um, but pharmaceuticals were meant to be a short-term strategy. And I think that if we could return to that, 
we would be in a lot better place because if the medical system understood, okay, you have chronic heartburn, let's just, this one's common. It's easy. It's, it's not going to ruffle any feathers. You have chronic heartburn. What that actually means is X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to put you on this medication for 60 days in that 60 days. Here's what you're going to change about your current lifestyle. And in 60 days, we're going to take this medication away and see what happens. If you still have the heartburn, we can do a scope. We can do, you know, we can do a um, food sensitivity test. We can, we can check into other things. But yeah. first, I'm going to do some lifestyle changes that we know are correlated with heartburn. This medication is going to make it more tolerable over those 60 days. But when we yank that medication away after that trial of care, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it, has your body regulated because oftentimes what it actually, what heartburn can be is low stomach acid. So Mm. not a lot of people know this. You can have low stomach acid and get heartburn and indigestion. You can have high stomach acid, but then you dampen down. Usually it's a a proton pump inhibitor. And what that actually does is it keeps you from breaking food down all the way. Mm -hmm. So not only is your lower GI having to do a lot more work to digest the food, but you're also not getting a lot of the nutrient that you would have gotten otherwise from breaking that food down all the way. Which is not going to make bathroom experiences any better, which is going to seem like IBS like symptoms potentially ever since I took this. And now I got to go get something looked at again. But also malnutrition. So like, how are you going to feel? How are you going to feel if you're malnourished, even just 10%? You know what I mean? So then where we actually get into this pharmaceutical thing, and this is another talking point that I have with people is, would you agree? And this is a conversation with a patient. Would you agree that a pharmaceutical is a chemical? Yes. Is it something that you think your body recognizes as good or bad? And they usually say, I I imagine it's not bad, but I don't think it's good. You know, they're kind of in the middle. And I say, you're, you still have to process that. Like, this is why side effects and warnings and all the other stuff that comes on and over the counter all the way to a pharmaceutical exists, your liver, your kidneys, your detoxification pathways still have to handle that chemical. So what are we doing as a, as a health medical, whatever system, looking at somebody who is very clearly toxic, they've, they're overweight, they've got all these other symptoms of toxicity, and we're adding another toxic burden to their body. And we're not supporting their detoxification pathways. We're essentially making sure that they get stuck in, I can't process this, I can't clear this, and their liver, their gallbladder, their kidneys, their everything else that's designed to detoxify has no shot at this point. So I, I think you might have froze. I can still see you. Whoop. We're back. <laughs> we're back. Live podcast issues, no big deal. Anyway. Back to malnutrition and proton pump inhibitors. Yeah. So um, I dovetailed from there and I said, so when when another conversation piece that I have with people is um, when you are taking a pharmaceutical medication, it is something that your body has to process. Your liver, your kidneys, other detoxification pathways in your body have to get rid of whatever part of that is not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, the health system, you know, medical and whatever is doing an, an incredible disservice to people who they can look at and say, I, there's toxicity here. This person is not healthy. They're overweight, whatever it is. And there is toxic burden in their body. And we're adding another toxin in mm-hmm. with the pharmaceutical. So we're putting more stress on the overstressed system. And what it's doing in the, in the surface level is dampening that symptom, which is a expression of your body to try and get your attention. Right. But it, which again, 
people need to live a pain-free life to be healthy or to be satisfied, but it's not creating health. So what we're doing is we're kicking the can down the road. We're taking somebody who's already toxic, who's already unhealthy and symptomatic, and we're kicking the can down the road because we'd rather mask the symptom than heal the problem. And then that problem can mutate into something else. Well, because like you had mentioned, it becomes IBS. It becomes something else, something else shows up because that system has become basically overrun and now it's going to switch into a different system. Well, and the other thing to think about too that I don't think is brought up enough is, okay, so the FDA, whatever testing, I mean, your confidence level in that can be what it is, but it's been tested, it's been vetted, it's approved, trials are successful, go. Well, did they test that beta blocker with that hypertension med with that statin with the type two stuff with the Prilosec with the like, did you test for the umpteen million combinations of things and doses and body types and what their diets are? We have no idea what some of these no, combinations no are going to do. I went no to idea. the hospital with my grandmother about five years ago when she was still alive and the doctor was going to give her something. And then when he finally looked at the med list, he was like, not only am I not going to give you this, we need to look at why you're taking these three things together. Cause you're not supposed to be. So yeah. now doctors can't even keep, let alone the body keeping it straight. How hard is it for physicians then to not only know what everybody's taking, because if it's been reported or, or given correctly, but then what's it going to do when it hit, when it hits this, like, does that reaction create a whole nother thing that now we don't even know how to identify? It's it, right. the, the loop, like you said, it, it gets faster and bigger. So it just feels, I mean, you're just stuck. And um, until you literally hit the brakes and think about a completely new avenue, which really shouldn't be all that new and groundbreaking, the fact that if you put good things in your body and you treat it well and you rest it and you feed it, then it works. Like, holy cow, that's crazy, right? But right. Um, but it's slow. And another, another very interesting thing. So in the past 10, 20 years, um, the MTFR gene mutation has become, you know, brought up mm -hmm. and effectively what that is, is people have trouble methylating and methylating is super important for DNA expression. It's also really important for detoxification. So we also have probably millions at this point of people walking into their doctor's office getting a prescription. The doctor has no idea because it wasn't tested for that they're, they have an MTFR gene mutation. They can't methylate. So now they have an even more difficult time processing that and the other four to five different medications they're on increasing their toxic burden. So to, to add to your point, what do those things do when they're put in combination? We have no idea, but what mm -hmm. do they do whenever they're not cleared in the way that we know, like the half-life and the clearance right. time and blah, blah, the blah. Standard clearing, right? Yeah. Because what it could be, you know, at, just to paint a picture is you're supposed to take this medication every morning with breakfast at 7 a.m. The average person will have cleared that by the next 7 a.m. So they're not doubling or stacking doses. Right. But if you potentially, let's say you have this MTFR gene mutation or your, your liver's not fully functioning or whatever it might be, the next 7 a.m., you might still have half that dose in your body. And then you're throwing it back in and then you're throwing it back in. And this is really important for blood pressure because we see people's blood pressure get dangerously low. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no wonder you feel like shit. No wonder you're lightheaded when you stand up. No wonder you've got no energy. You've got no blood pressure. Right. So it's little stuff like that, which I mean, it's not so little when it, when we're talking about your health, but it's stuff like that. It's just, it, it is not happening in the medical system for two reasons. One, it's incredibly, uh, it, it's incredibly costly to do this with everybody. And the insurance company dictates what the medical system does. And if you run a bunch of tests, they basically kick you out. Right. But it's also, it, it would take too long. We don't have enough physicians there. I think 
they said by 2025, which is around the corner, they're expecting us to have 70,000 less medical providers than we have right now. And we already don't have enough. So do you think like testing and treatment and attention is going to get better or worse? It's going to get worse. Well, and then on top of all this, and this is probably a whole nother show, but the epigenetic factor of this, right? Like we've got, let's call it two ish generations, maybe three now of people who have grown up with the ability to have pharmaceuticals readily available to them. Yeah. Well, what, what does that mutation in our body, I don't even call it mutation. What does that chemical change in our body and how our body now expresses itself? What is that doing to our reproductive organs and reproductive genes that now go into create a new human? And right. what is that going to do? And how did we give that start that that fetus the new start that it deserves based on high quality DNA that has not been tampered with by toxins and environment, whatever else we're, we've lived through in the last however many decades. That part is pretty interesting to me too. And I don't know if we'll ever fully understand that based off what science can offer, but it's pretty hard to look at how we've internally taken things the last 50, 60 years. And now what is happening with autoimmune and cancers and childhood diseases and things. And I think this is a factor in a, a very broad, you know, set of causes, if you will, but it, it is bigger than we think in every sense of the word. And it's just so easy to not feel that until it's too late. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, it comes when we circle back to it, that what is the quality of our environment? I tell my patients all the time, we are the only species on the planet that has effectively removed ourselves from where we came from nature mm -hmm. and built a, a artificial uh, environment and then have pumped it full of chemicals. So like, why are we, like, you'll never see a deer walking around having an existential crisis. You know, they, they wake up, they go to the bathroom, they get lunch, they stay safe, they go to bed, they rinse and repeat. Right. And I'm grateful that we are much more complex than that. But I'm also looking at, you know, you mentioned the FDA, uh, EPA is there, all of the different um, governing agencies that are supposed to protect our health. And when you actually start to un like lift up the covers and see what's going on, it's terrible. Yeah. There, it, it has become so hard for people to actually genuinely live healthy because of these regulatory bodies allowing things to go through for profit. Yeah. Well, the money, follow the money. You'll, you'll see what the reason is for somebody. Yeah. Anyway, stand by. Yeah. Big noise. Um, well, that's cool. I think you touched on this too, which is gut lining. And I think there's so many people that try to get off a of pharmaceutical. They try to change their lifestyle. A, I think getting somebody like we've already said to map out that road for you is just better. It's worth a little time and money because there's too much to do. There's too much to look at. There's too much to find out unless you really have a plan that has been proven with other people, I think. Um, but the gut lining, we're not just going to like feel better. Like the paleo thing we talked about, you start to feel better over time, but talk about repairing that system for somebody like a timeline B, what are they doing? Um, I mean, I know they're going to be changing diets so we can assume that let's just say they've, they bought into your paleo diet. What are some things that people could actively do patient-wise? Like, okay, I'm not always going to be at the chiropractor, but I want to do things at home and I want to change how my family eats. I want to change some really basic, simple things that are maybe common. What would you lead them to first? So a supplement actually, which wasn't my uh, gut instinct to begin with, because I do like natural. Yep. Um, the supplements, Ion Biome, uh, Dr. Zach Bush, he has 
amazing, amazing conversations on podcasts about the necessity of it, among other things. Um, but essentially, it's it's fulvic and humic substances which exist in the soil, and it's it's essentially like the way he explained it is it is the fiber optic network of the soil system that allows plants to communicate, and it, mm. it that same fiber optic network exists within us because we're again we're a reflection of nature. Yeah. And our microbiome very literally came out of nature and lives inside of us and is integral to our health. So I, I tell people that that is the only supplement that I think everybody should take forever. And the reason being is there's so much chemicals in our environment that we cannot escape that you, you, you can't be without it because you can't exist in a, in a non-toxic environment. And what was the biggest name one more time of the supplement? Ion, Ion, I-O-N, Biome, B-I-O-M-E. Okay, cool. Um, So one of the biggest ones, and I've had other podcasts that I've talked about this is glyphosate comes from Roundup. It's in all of our agriculture. But even if you avoid some of the big ones, um, that it's like it's sprayed heavily on wheat to dry it out because it's a desiccant. So that's why that's that's the bigger piece of where gluten's a problem. I I don't know that gluten is inherently a problem um, or is as, as big of a problem as it is. I think gluten is a big problem because of the glyphosate that is attached to it. Right. Um, but glyphosate is also uh, water soluble, which means now that we've sprayed some, you know, trillions of tons, the amount of uh, Roundup that we use a year is insane. But now that we've sprayed, you know, trillions and trillions of tons of this stuff on agriculture, it's gone on the agricultural runoff into the streams, streams evaporate, it's in the clouds. It literally rains on organic fields in, <laughs> with glyphosate in it. So like you cannot, it's in your drinking water, it's in everything, you can't get rid of it. Um, and that was the big downfall of using a water soluble chemical in agriculture because now we, we don't know how to get rid of it. Right. The other thing that I found, I just recently heard this, um, I can't remember, I think Paul Check was talking about it, but at the end of the uh, at the end of World War II, when they started taking all of the petroleum that was used in tanks and all that stuff, and we didn't have anything to do with it, and they created um, uh, something APK or something like that fertilizers. I can't remember the name of it, but the the common fertilizer um, NPK fertilizers. We've used so much of that in the soil, and it's gone down into the water table that if there was ever a big enough flood where that water table came through, we would all die from poisoning. Isn't that crazy? But it's yet, just it's it's in still our go like, to Home our, Depot and buy weed killer because those things just keep coming back, right? Well, like, the, the, so the NPK fertilizers were before um, glyphosate. This is like your standard run in the mill fertilizer that they use yeah, just to normal. switch from the, the war machine to the agricultural machine. Um, but we've wow. used it in, in such excess that if it like the earth in all of her grace ha- is basically holding this for us and not letting it just come to our, uh, come to the surface where we yeah. live and, and do our thing. But well, it, you know, it's, that's, that's how much toxicity we've pumped into our planet. So we, you know, I, I tell them the ion biome is really good because it's at least going to give your body a way to repair the damage that is inevitably going to be done because of the food system that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless you're like living on a farm and you're going to control your food, you probably need it. Um, other than that, it really comes down to how much diet or how, how good your diet, how good your sleep and how low is your stress. If we can, and that's why when we, um, when I bought this practice and we rebranded it, we took everything to a stress focus because a lot of it comes down to stress. Um, so from a, you know, 
you're not going to be here every day getting adjusted. I don't expect you to be here every, every day getting adjusted. How can mm-hmm. we help your life otherwise? Can we decrease your avenues of stress? Can we improve your diet? Can we make sure you're getting the requisite amount of sleep? And right. the vast majority of people with those ingredients do extremely well. So even to go back to like the paleo thing, it's funny because when somebody actually does 90 days of paleo, they come in and we don't have anything else to work on. There's no more blood labs to draw. There's no more symptoms to try and figure out. There's no supplements that are needed. They just needed to stop eating like shit. Right. And now they feel really good. And how many people do you hear say, well, I want to do this, but I have this knee or I have this back or I have this thing. Like there's always a reason, but yet the reason that it's there is actually probably something you are doing knowingly or unknowingly. And if you could identify that and change it, like how many times do you simply adjust somebody and they start even feeling better and we've done nothing else. And they start coming in saying, man, I took out soda and I have a standing desk at work now. And I'm going on walks with my wife and my kids are doing like, I didn't tell you to do that. Your body wants it, but it knows it's under attack. So it's not going to go stress you out because it's a kind innate intelligence. It's not going to make it worse. So it's trying to heal, but yet you're keep pouring gasoline on this fire. And Mm -hmm. so that's what's so cool. It's just, if I could encourage anybody to try something, just try, uh, you know, if it's paleo or if it's something else, I always recommend talking to who is caring for you to know, but um, try something for a quarter of the year, three months, 90 days, and just see what happens. It, I've never focused on something like this and not had it blow my expectations out of the water. And when we're talking about health, I can be a better dad, husband, business owner, community member, leader, like it is so much bigger than you. And it is the most selfless thing to make yourself the best in the room, right? Like I will be the best human here because I take care of myself, which allows me to go do what I need to do. And I think we just, we miss that a lot. We try to do other things as a priority instead of literally inside of our own body first. Totally. And I mean, it, and I, I, I coach people initially be selfish, do this mm-hmm. for you and then see what, like when you are no longer at the front of your awareness, because your shoulder always hurts or your knee always hurts or your stomach always hurts or you're depressed or you're anxious. When you are no longer at the front of your awareness, you would be astounded with the amount of like gratitude you have for the world and how much you want to give and serve mm-hmm. and love, because that's, I mean, that's how we're wired. How can you give love if you haven't loved yourself? 100%. And how can you give love if you're fucking hurting all the time? I know. If you don't have love in your body, it's not coming out, right? And so, um, and loving you where you're at, I think that's the biggest thing is like, I don't care. We had a patient who was 550 pounds. We literally modified her McDonald's order. Her daily McDonald's order, she couldn't stop, but we changed it to reduce it. And she lost 30 pounds in a month. And then the next month she was like, joined a gym, got a personal trainer, cut out fast food, did this. Today, she weighs 230 pounds. That was Mm -hmm. four years ago. And she still has a couple like surgeries to get done, which I'd imagine is more weight. But she literally, I don't even know if she'd be here for me to talk about right now if she hadn't done that. So it doesn't even need to be like paleo. It could be water with my cheeseburger instead of Coke. That might be your first step. And I'm going to stand up and applaud the hell out of you for that because it was a choice, like you said, to do something better than I did yesterday. And 100%. I promise you every good decision, if you do it for a little bit, it will create more. Uh, and same thing with internally too. Like once you start feeding it, it gets like, there's this momentum in your body, right? That it's like a, a well-oiled machine at some point with little speed bumps, man, you're just cruising. And so I think that's what's cool is to see people pick one thing. What's like, 
the one thing that you could modify today that you think you could also do tomorrow, right? And let's just start there because yeah. I think the decision has then been made and now it's simply a schedule. Yeah, and, it, it, and it's accountability. That's one of the biggest things. People really struggle. And I think this is why it's such a problem. People struggle with food because there's emotional hooks to it. Um, so I do, I, I agree. Start with where you're at. Take the least... Um, volatile thing you know the the thing that you're least attached to and tweak that mm -hmm. and see what it does and then little baby steps like the dave ramsey snowball like little tiny baby steps do create big changes over time but you've got to start somewhere and you, you've got to start a lot of people don't start because they don't know what to do next or it all seems overwhelming for sure um looking at your office granted not all of us are in north carolina but i think a lot of this too potentially doesn't have to be in person or could at least be a good info spot, like you said, knowing where to give people the next step to go or the next person to go to. How do we find you and maybe learn a little bit more about what you do and contact you at your office or anything like that? Yeah, so um, the, my practice is called Centered Chiropractic. Um, uh, my email is Dr. Bonham, B-O-N-H-A-M at centeredchiropractic.com. So anybody that wants to reach out just for uh, conversation or communication. I'm open to that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've pulled resources from podcasts. Uh, like I said, Dr. Zach Bush was a huge influence. Um, and, and a lot of, I really think the role of the physician is to take the complex and the obscure and the magnitudes of the information out there and simplify and disseminate to as many people as possible. So we're like, we're a funnel where the top's really big and the bottom is really small, but then it mm -hmm. opens back up because that all the information coming in and we boil it down and then we try and spread it to as many people as possible, but in a, in a more digestible format. For sure. So, Pun um, intended. yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think that, I mean, and, and sometimes I tell people like straight up, like you need accountability, like you can do this, but you can't do it by yourself because you, you're not doing it. So mm -hmm. let's just get you, whether it's your neighbor or your mom or your sister, or you pay for somebody because, you know, when you start paying for stuff, you take it more seriously. 100%. So you, you pay an accountability person for your diet or for your um, exercise or for, you know, whatever it is. So sometimes, again, at chiropractors, if, if, if you find value in this and you know it's a need for your community, start building relationships. Because the other thing is, is if you have, you know, two people who understand nutrition the way that you understand it and two people who understand functional movement the way you understand it, and maybe two life coaches that are just going to help people get reoriented in their priorities and their values and their goals and their visions and their dreams. Mm -hmm. And those people also understand what you do, then it's a referral system. Right. And I personally, uh, I just had this conversation today. Our, our new patients have never been an issue. Um, I'm very happy with the number we get every week. And I can't say we don't market because we do like some social media and stuff, but the overwhelming, even more than Google or online, it's 70% of our new patients are sent in by a patient or by a business in the town or from their doctor that we know. Um, I have a podiatrist that probably sends me a new patient every single week, comes from mm -hmm. Dr. McAlexander's office and nope, I'm not going to touch you till you go get checked out and you got to get in alignment and make sure everything's working before we can even see if this is a real foot problem. Like super cool stuff. And that only happened because we took a chance and walked through that door and went and met someone. And I think that's the, again, a humility level of like, who cares what they think of me and what they think of chiropractic. I need to start finding my people. And the chances are you're going to hit five, six, seven, not interested before you come across that perfect 
personal trainer or gym or whatever that might be. hundred percent. Cool. Yeah. And ultimately it's, it's for the people that you serve. And uh, yes. And again, going back to everything we do should be given with that. Like we all have those stories that, like I said, the, the patient in lost, lost 300 pounds, right? Like we can all come up with those people. Even if you're not a chiropractor, you have moments in your life where something has been inspirational, but simply like a mom losing five pounds and gaining endurance on their 5k run that they've been working on finding an accountability group, which led to friends, which led to mental health and a social aspect, that person is a better mother, wife, community member too, right? And so I think, like you just said, the, the smallest shift for somebody changing a McDonald's order seemed so, it just hit me. I was like, really, we can't just stop. Okay, let's take this. And you start with where people are at and pretty soon they're not there anymore. They're up here. And then you get to go meet them up there on the on floor too, right? Yeah. Um, so that's awesome, man. I love the fact that you just said words that I have to go Google to find out what they even mean. Um, I would love to really take a couple of those spots, like the mimicking the, the mirror um, cells and some of the really deep, like gluten stuff and how it's bad and how to not only identify that it's bad, but what to do next. I think that's a, a whole nother thing in terms of some action steps we could take, but yeah, for I sure. appreciate you buddy and love you. Thanks for being here. Um, I guess until next time, we'll let your nerdy brain rest and you can go get some more stats and facts for us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right, brother. Have a good day, man. Tell the girls we said, Hey, we'll do. All right.